Welcome to She Persisted. I'm your host, Sadie Sutton. Every Friday, I post interviews about mental health, dialectical behavioral therapy, and teenage life. These episodes break down my mental health journey, teach skills to help you cope with life, and showcase testimonials from individuals, including teens just like you. Whether you've struggled yourself or just want to improve your mental fitness, this podcast is your inspiration to live a life you love and keep persisting. This week on She Persisted. What is depression and anxiety? We told in today's narrative that they are illnesses, but they're not illnesses. There's no research to confirm that. There's no neurobiological correlates or that mm-hmm. in the brain. A chemical imbalance is a theory that has been disproved multiple times. No scientist and I mean, top people in Harvard, Kings, all over the world in top universities will tell you that that is not an acceptable view, but yet that's what the public are given. And most doctors will tell their patients, oh, you have a chemical imbalance. You like Let's fix it with the medication. Like you're the yeah. Broken arm, let's fix your broken arm, you have a broken mm-hmm. brain, let's fix your brain. That's the wrong messaging and it's also um, the research shows it's actually made things worse. This week's DBT scale is turning the mind. Turning the mind is like facing a fork in the road. You have to turn your mind towards the acceptance road and away from the road of rejecting reality. You're choosing to accept. The choice to accept does not itself equal acceptance but it puts you on the path towards acceptance rather than continuing towards rejecting reality. So here's the steps. First, you're going to observe the fact that you're currently not accepting. Look for the anger, bitterness, annoyance, avoiding emotions, those thought processes that are like, why me? Why is this happening? I can't stand this. It shouldn't be this way. You get the point. Next, you're going to go within yourself and make an inner commitment to accept reality as it is. Third, you're going to do it again over and over and over again. You're going to keep turning your mind to accept each time when you come to the fork in the road where you can reject reality or choose to accept it. Lastly, you're going to develop a plan of catching yourself in the future when you drift out of acceptance, whatever that means for you. This is not an easy skill. It's one that takes a really long time to master, and it's constantly something that you're continuously doing. It's not like you're doing deep breathing one time and then you get out of that emotional state. You're revisiting turning the mind every single time you feel yourself rejecting reality. So it's a great practice and tool to have in your toolbox, but it's, again, an ongoing effort that you're making, but it can have a huge benefit. So with that, let's dive into the episode. Hello, hello, and welcome to She Persisted. If you're new here, I'm so happy you're here. Make sure you head over to Instagram at at She Persisted Podcast. Send me a DM and say hi. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. I have an amazing episode for you today, and I know you're going to love it. Today's guest is Dr. Caroline Leaf, and this is one of literally my favorite interviews that I've ever done. She is just an absolutely phenomenal clinician individual. She has her own podcast. We'll get more into her in a minute, but no matter where you are at in your journey or supporting someone on their journey, this episode is going to bring you so much value, and I can't wait. It is almost Thanksgiving. I'm recording this episode the night before it's going to go live, and I just wanted to put a little reminder in the intro to put your mental health first this week. We can't help others unless we help ourselves first, and I think that goes for any interaction. If we're not taking care of our own mental health, we're not going to be able to validate others and offer support and resources, and we're going to be irritable, and it's just not going to go well. So especially for me this week with family time, with going home from college, that's something that I'm focusing on, is making sure that my mental health is in check, in place, in its best spot, so that I can show up as my best self in my relationships. So I wanted to give you that reminder to put your mental health first and prioritize what makes you feel good and show up as your best self so that you can give that version of yourself to others this week 
as things are more stressful during the holidays. So happy early Thanksgiving. I hope you have a wonderful week and let's get into this week's guest. Today, I am interviewing Dr. Caroline Leaf. She is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist with a master's and PhD in communication pathology, and she also has her bachelor's in science and logopietics. So she specializes in cognitive and metacognitive neuropsychology, and since the early 1980s, she's researched the mind-brain connection, the nature of mental health, and the formation of memory. She was one of the first people in her field to study how the brain can change, also known as neuroplasticity, which we dive into in so much so if you're like, what the heck is that? Don't worry, I got you covered. We talk about what that is and then how it applies to things like depression and anxiety and trauma. So this is just a phenomenal episode. She is also the best-selling author of Switch on Your Brain, Think, Learn, Succeed, and Think and Eat Yourself Smart, as well as many other books. And you might remember her books from various guests on the podcast that have said that they're some of their favorite reads and resources. So she's just an absolutely amazing author and clinician. The other way that you might recognize her is that she is the host of Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. It's a top charts mental health podcast. It's an amazing resource, and I'll, of course, link it in today's show notes. So if you enjoy this conversation, make sure that you head over to her podcast so you can continue to consume her content, learn more about your mental health and cleaning up the mental mess, which we dive into in a really brief way in this episode. So all the ways that you can connect with Dr. Leaf will be in today's show notes, but if you want to follow her on Instagram, her handle's at drcarolineleaf, and her website is drleaf.com. All of that will be linked in the show notes, don't worry, as well as her podcast, but if you want to give her a follow and connect, that's where you can do it. So with that being said, I hope you love this interview and learn so much from it, just like I did in this conversation with her, and let's dive into it. Thank you so much, Dr. Leaf, for joining me today on She Persisted. I'm so excited to have you here and to dive into this amazing conversation. Thank you, Sadie. And I'm very, I'm very excited to join you and very impressed with what you're doing. So thank you for what you're doing. It's just so necessary and so important. Same to you. Same to you. So I want to start by setting a foundation for listeners and talking about what neuroplasticity is and your work there. I think it's difficult to kind of move into how we can shift behaviors and thoughts and all these things without talking about neuroplasticity. So walk me through that and how that connects to mental health. Absolutely. Okay, so neuroplasticity is the ability of the mind to change the brain. So implicit in the in the, in the 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 definition is the fact that the mind and the brain are separate. And that's not a conversation that many people have or hear because we are sold the concept that the mind is the brain, but it's not. And as long as we understand the, the current narrative, which says your mind is your brain and your brain basically makes you do it. So it's almost as though the, the message is that you've got this illness inside your brain and it's just waiting. It's a, a disease in waiting and then mm-hmm. life happens and the disease gets triggered and not manifests. And then you get a diagnosis and a label and a treatment and a cure, but none of that actually works. Mm-hmm. And that's been that philosophy I've just described has been going on for about 40 years, actually a hundred, but very strongly for the last 40, 50 years. And the last 40, 50 years has also been tracking it research-wise and it's been a disaster. It hasn't worked. It's exacerbated the problem. It's made it worse. And there's more suicides. There's, it's actually made everything. I've just been writing a journal article on this this morning yeah. for based on my research. So neuroplasticity is the ability to understand that with our mind, we can actually change the brain. So the brain is never the same. It always changes. So right now it's changing at 400 billion actions per second because of your mind. If I had a dead person next to me, that person's brain wouldn't be doing anything. 
but the fact that we're alive and having the conversation and these viewers and listeners we if i had to link you up to the technology i use to the neuroscientific technology i use for my research we would see massive changes happening inside of your brain and response in your brain so neuroplasticity means that our brain changes in response to our mind and you take that a little deeper that means that what is our mind? Can we control it? And the answer is yes. And we'll talk about what mind is maybe in the next questions or whatever. And so we can actually direct neuroplasticity. So we can direct the changes. And that's so important because how our brain changes will manifest in our behaviors. And our behaviors are our communication, what we say and what we do. So life happens. Our mind processes it into the brain. The brain changes. And we can, I can show you images and in, in a moment and then what how, if the way our brain changes then basically produces our communication so if you've been abused maybe in childhood or had some severe trauma and that's it, that is processed into the brain it changes the brain in the wrong way also changes the body because the brain and the body work together and then that manifests as basically toxic behavioral symptoms and it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that there is a brain disease it just means that there's something going on and you have to rewire it so neuroplasticity mm -hmm. has a wonderful aspect that you can actually tune into your behaviors and this ways there's four signals and we can talk about how to do that too but you can tune into your patterns and your signals and become like a thought detective literally and change your brain back and you know, re reorder it and rewire it and that obviously takes time etc but that's also mm -hmm. part of elasticity so it's a yeah. great thing it's, it's, really it's crazy to think about. It kind of hurts your brain to be like, whoa, like the, the amount of change and how much potential there is there. But it's no one can think, well, this situation is unchangeable or this experience is depression, anxiety, because that's not possible. Our brains are constantly changing. And so I absolutely love that. Another thing that I want to clarify before we dive into specifically depression and anxiety and changing the mind there is detoxing the brain. I know this is a huge part of your work and what you talk about. So what does that mean? Um to detox your brain or your mind so i talk a lot about cleaning up the mental mess and i talk about the fact that we can clean it up because if, if i'm that we are actually empowered to do that and what that means is that we, when we are going to we have toxic experiences adverse experiences whatever they are whether it's persistent stuff happening in childhood early adolescence etc the pandemic whatever it is that is everything experience you have good and good bad and ugly goes into the brain through the mind and basically anything that's toxic wires in as a toxic change in the brain and that then changes brain functionality it actually causes brain damage and, and stimulates a response from the immune system to to try and fix that because the immune yeah. system is all about your survival and a toxic experience threatens your survival and that then sets off a whole cascade of reactions through your body right down to the level of your dna and basically detoxing is becoming aware of your from as i actually mentioned earlier on the, from from the patterns in your life so maybe there's a persistent depression which is just one part of the pattern it's not actually a disease depression is not a disease it's basically it's a warning signal but mm -hmm. it will come along with behaviors and perspective it comes along in a package with three four different types of signals so the pattern to the signals that then comes from a change in your brain and so detoxing your brain is the process of looking at what is the big pattern in my life i'm feeling excessively anxious or depressed then actually looking deeper what is that and down to the all the way down to the root cause so it's a process of embracing processing and reconceptualizing so deconstructing and reconstructing you can't mm -hmm. change what's happened to you because it's happened but you can change what's in you because whatever's happened to you it gets wired into your brain and into the genes of every cell of your body 
So not only is the experience going to go into your brain and it goes into your brain like a tree. And I've got a, a little plant over here. That's, that would be a healthy experience and this would be a toxic experience. So when mm -hmm. you talk about detoxing the brain, we literally want to get rid of these and turn them into these. So mm -hmm. our brain, every experience looks like becomes a tree in your brain. This is the change. So neuroplasticity is changing, it's growing these inside your brain and, then, and they're made of proteins. Detoxing mm -hmm. is finding what finding these tuning into them and then getting them out like they've got a root you know you've got to pull a root out of a weed out of the garden roots and all otherwise it will grow mm -hmm. so that's basically what it is so yeah i've spent the last 38 years researching that and funnily mm -hmm. enough sadie the back in the 80s when i started my work they didn't believe the brain could change and i was sitting wow. at a neuroscience lecture and our neurologist who was take, giving us that lecture said oh well, the brain can't change I and mean, when people have had any kind of traumatic experience or traumatic brain injury or mm -hmm. whatever sports injury you just got to teach your patients to compensate and i immediately thought that cannot be right because yeah we are always changing. Every moment of the day is different and our mind uses our brain. So if our mind is changing because experience is changing, that means our brain's changing. Mm -hmm. And I challenged that professor and I did some of the first neuroplasticity research back in the 80s. There's a TED talk on, I did a TED talk on this, on the ridiculous question of neuroplasticity. Yeah. But it's hopeful because what it does is it tells you and I and anyone who's battling, and that's all of us, by the way, there isn't anyone who isn't battling. Sometimes it gets worse in our life and sometimes it's not as bad, but be all battling with mental health it's just life is just very tough and there's adverse yeah. circumstances but it tells us that it's okay to be messy and there is a way of managing the mess and cleaning up the mental mess so detoxing the brain is this recognition that's okay to make a mess that's not who i am it's coming because of let's find the because of and let's reconstruct it into something that actually works for me and not mm -hmm. against me it's, it's crazy how far we've come. I came from a um, psychology lecture literally 20 minutes ago, and we were talking about neuroplasticity and how the brain is constantly changing. And during your critical period, it's so important for these connections because the brain changes and you're less able to acquire languages easily. So it's, it's insane how much we're still learning about the brain and how things are changing and how far we've come from that belief that the brain is stagnant and unable to adapt. That was as recently as the 80s. It's only since the yeah. Is with the advent of MRI technology that people have actually been able to see the changes in the brain. So up until then, I mean, when I did my research in the late 80s, early 90s, it was totally new to talk about neuroplasticity. Yeah. I had neurologists saying, oh, it was just lucky, or neuroscientists, and at that stage, neuroscience was in its infancy. Yeah. Saying, oh, well, that can't happen. You're just lucky. And when it's happened to like a thousands thousands of people it's not lucky it's but it's actually, a medical miracle it is a yeah like it's a but it's it's the reality it's how mm -hmm. we are and to understand it you really have to understand mind and brain and the difference between the two and how they work together and the other mm -hmm. thing very quickly you mentioned certain periods there's a lot of teaching around that and there's also been a lot of counter research showing that they, i don't know what they're telling you how, how they're teaching you and hopefully they're giving you the most up-to-date research but you, you're not stuck in critical periods. There are critical periods for development, but if you miss out on a certain period, it doesn't bode, it doesn't set up the rest of your life in a negative tone. You can actually catch up. Your, your brain mm -hmm. wire, rewires, it, it never stops. It's doing it at 400 billion actions all day long for the rest of your life. So your yeah. brain can always be changed. Whatever's happened to you, doesn't matter what age, what stage, how far, you can change your brain. The brain mm -hmm. can't change itself you change the brain. 
This week's episode is brought to you by Magic Mind. This is for all of my busy, stressed out students that are overwhelmed and have tons to do. So what Magic Mind is, it is an energy drink with all natural ingredients like adaptogens, nootropics, and matcha. So it helps decrease stress, boost blood flow and cognition, and it keeps you focused. Unlike regular energy drinks, it has minimal caffeine. The caffeine that's in it is from matcha. I've been wanting to implement matcha into my routine for a long time because it's better for you than caffeine but I hate the taste of it. I just cannot get around to drinking it. And I love this because it doesn't taste like matcha. It's sweetened with honey, so it doesn't taste like that super bitter matcha-y taste. It helps you increase your productivity, decrease procrastination, fight brain fog, all of that. So it looks like a little juice shot. It has the cutest packaging. And what you do is you drink it with your normal cup of coffee in the morning. And it really just helps increase your focus, your energy, and kind of boost that cup of coffee. It's one of my favorite hacks for a busy midterm week, finals week, or just when I have a lot on my plate. And it allows me to kind of maintain my energy throughout the day instead of crashing like midday and resorting to a nap when I have tons of stuff to do. So if you want to check out Magic Mind and get your hand on this amazing energy drink, you can head to magicmind.co slash persistent and use code persistent20 for 20% off. Again, that's magicmind.co slash persistent and use code persistent20 for 20% off. So when you are specifically getting rid of like bad trees, if we're using that metaphor again, is that rewiring a thought pattern? Is it changing a behavior? Are you working to shift emotions? What exactly are you doing? I'm going to explain what that is. So that's where sometimes psychology can be very confusing because it throws lots of words around. So mm-hmm. let, me, let me break down the, the whole process. So here's a brain, okay, <laughs> and in a skull, it's not a real one. For your listeners, I'm not holding a real brain. It's just a model. <laughs> just and pulled it off your desk. Yeah, I just pulled it off my desk, you know, real brain. I did, I did used to have a real brain in a jar and everything, but this is a little easier to travel. <laughs> okay, so essentially, this is not your mind. And I have another model. Here it is. And the model I'm holding up now is your typical, you would have seen this all over the place in doctor's offices and so on. This mm-hmm. is a you know brain and a body. So this is not your mind. Neither of these are your mind. Because if you were dead, as I already said, they would just be disintegrating. But as you're sitting here listening to me, your mind is a, is stimulating these to actually respond. So your aliveness is your mind. So your mind is the driving force that actually makes your brain and your body work. And so therefore, if therefore that's the case, if we have a messy mind, an unmanaged mind, we're going to send an unmanaged signal through the brain and the body, and that's going to create a mess in the brain and the body. So our conversation right now, we're talking as we started up, as you would have set this up, you would have put in the show notes, you would have had a title, that would be like the seed. So if you take a plant and you think of if you're growing a tree, you'd plant the seed. So the mm-hmm. title of the podcast, think of it as being the seed. As we started speaking and are back and forth and as I'm answering your questions and explaining, that is all electromagnetic sound waves, electromagnetic light waves that are coming at you, the visuals I'm holding up, all of that is coming at you. It's coming from my mind through my brain to you, your as electromagnetic light waves, etc. Your mind grabs that because your mind is actually an electronic electromagnetic energy force. It's a gravitational field and it's all around you and it's through you. A dead person doesn't have that. For example, if I put a QEEG on you and I now, we would see energetic, we would see energy, the different Mm -hmm. frequencies of the brain. Uh, If we did a spec scan, you would see oxygen, an MRI, if we did an EKG. In other words, that we would see response. But if we did uh, that on a dead person, we wouldn't see response. So the mind is that aliveness, that response that we see. So this conversation, the seed was, as the person read the title of the podcast, then as we're speaking, all these sound 
somewhere it's being grabbed by your mind and they've been built into the root system of this of this tree so the roots are the source of the information or the experience and then as soon as you build it because this is happening at speeds of 10 to the 27 which is inconceivable in our what we call our non-conscious mind which is not mm -hmm. the unconscious it's not the subconscious it's the non-conscious n-o-n so all of that stuff is the root system everything that i'm saying and then immediately at the same time you uniquely interpret what i'm saying and that's these branches so the branches above the ground are the interpretation of the source input now your interpretation is different to your listeners to every listener that you have so if you have um 500 listeners to the show there's 500 different interpretations of what i'm saying and all of them are correct because all are your own unique interpretation mm -hmm. so this what i've just described is a thought tree a tree it's the product of the mind so when we talk about neuroplasticity, which we did, and we talk about change in the brain, what we're doing is we're talking about the, the, the thought being built into the brain, and the change is that you grow these trees. They grow on the neurons in the brain, and they're fed by the glial cells, which you would have all learned about in psychology too. Mm -hmm. They grow, so this, this part particularly, the, the, this whole system over here, is going to grow on the dendrites. So difference that as the neurons connect you have a synapse in the brain and that's not where memories grow that's just where you have the initial contact and the initial um, short-term phase of the memory but the actual above the cell body you've got like branches so growing out of the head if you think of a head and hair growing out of the head that's where these are growing so these are made of proteins and the and the neuroplasticity is that you take you're, you're taking my words that energy goes in the brain. As soon as it shows up in the brain, the brain is then responding electromagnetically and chemically and genetically, and you make proteins. So you're actually growing proteins, and those proteins arrange themselves into trees. So these trees are thoughts, so, and a thought mm -hmm. is made of memories. So thoughts are not the same as memories, as much as mind is not the same as brain. So mind works through the brain and the body and builds trees, stimulates the building of trees. So these are made of proteins and they're growing on the dendrite. So that's what neuroplasticity looks like. So a thought is the product of the mind and a thought contains memories. So, mm -hmm. it's not, and so one thought can have, like at the end of this conversation, you, you're gonna have built probably close to 2000 branches, roots, what I'm saying, interpretation, how you interpret it. So that's a lot of memory. So this particular thought tree or this conversation may have up to a thousand, two thousand memories in it. So when you bring this thought up into the conscious mind through the subconscious, it's not just going to bring up one thing. It brings up the concept, which is mm -hmm. in the, the name of the tree, and then all the details start coming up. Okay, so how is this significant? That's a healthy tree. Here's a toxic tree. Also branches, also the roots. And so same process, let's say now that you get bullied at school or you have a terribly abusive childhood or whatever, there's all the different things that can happen to us, the adversity. That is going to be received by the mind, all these energetic fields and everything. And psychologically, the mind is how we think and feel and choose. You're asking what feeling is. If you, you think and feel and choose to build these thoughts and these thoughts are built of what the, the product of thinking, feeling and choosing. So mm -hmm. emotions are actually memory data, okay, emotional memory data. So emotions are inside there and inside there because mm -hmm. this is the source, this is what happened and this is your interpretation of what happened. 
So it totally it, makes you think of that scene in Inside Out where all of the different memories are tagged with each emotion and then categorized and logged into the long-term memory, but you still remember what each emotion was exactly. and it's each of their responsibilities to manage exactly. it. Exactly, because you have some, you, that's a very good, it's a very good example because if you think of it, there's a multitude of experiences that we have, yet you, you have the same memory tags, like that one makes you sad, but there's a thousand things that can make you sad so mm-hmm. sad is not in its own it, it's 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 an emotion attached to data so that's yeah. why we have inside this will be the emotion attached to the it's it's an emotional data attached to the actual what happened that's the what happened and this is how you processed what happened so this mm-hmm. is kind of the coping so let's say that this is an abuse and it's repeated sexual abuse for example from maybe a, a family friend or something like that or a parent or whatever a bad you know whatever that processing of that that's going to be think feel choose you're going to as you're experiencing that you're going to be thinking feeling choosing so all that is built into here the experience and then your thinking feeling choosing is the interpretation of that too and the interpretation over here there's going to be memory data there's going to be all the things that happened and the interpretation here says oh i'm i'm bad or i'm worthless or i must i've done something wrong meanwhile you're totally innocent so this and that, yeah. that's distorted so that's distorted so that's distorted and because that's counter to our natural wiring which we we actually wired for healthy for love that's what the scientists talk about wired for these this is distorted so it's not going to tell you the truth you're not going to see the truth about yourself and that all that then produces what you say and what you do so this will produce problems in relationships and, and if it's a it will produce um, excessive levels of depression and anxiety and withdrawing and I hate life and suicidal thoughts, etc, etc. This produces that because this is a toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so, so to summarize, that's the thought. It's a product made of proteins and that's the neuroplasticity change. We use our mind to experience and we take that experience and we put it into the brain and we build these. Our mind is how we think and feel and choose. So as we think, feel and choose, we build our thinking, feeling and choosing into these trees. This part is the source and this part is our interpretation. So our thinking, feeling and choosing in this case is distorted because those facts are distorted. The whole toxic is messy, whereas this would be you know, more accurate. These would be healthy, healthy interpretation versus... Okay, so that's the thought made of the memories and the emotions are inside of here attached to the data, the specifics of this memory. So these would be all distorted emotions, anger, frustration, hatred, self-hatred, um, mm-hmm. fear. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of emotions and they would be attached to the data of what happened and the interpretation inside of here. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in practice, if you're experiencing a distortion, whether it's a a thought that's not necessarily accurate, that you're not good enough, not loved, all of these things, how exactly would you shift that? Because again, it is a distortion. It's not accurate and it's impacting this whole process. What are you doing there to rewire that? Okay. So excellent question. So here is this whole, it's in your brain. Can mm-hmm. know that now and maybe it's happening repeatedly and you don't always know the roots this is very often because we suppress it sometimes it's just so that, that was another one of my questions it's like i would wake up and feel depressed but being able to identify why was so difficult yeah there we go so that's very often because you've had accumulated trauma over time and mm-hmm. because it's so it's trauma when you're a child and you trust your parent you know you trust adults or whatever in your life that or whatever however there's so many different ways we can experience trauma but you're a child you're trusting it's so distorted so it doesn't there's no sense to it so you just try and cope so this whole this part over here is trying to make sense of this and then this becomes distorted so the whole thing is distorted so very often it's suppressed and it comes out in early 
early childhood trauma very often when it comes out in adolescence and over the years it builds so it can start off with a child being more withdrawn and certain behavioral symptoms and then it got, you know then very often kids are very good at masking for a period of time but then yeah. adolescence and 18 19 20 we see the the more severe the comp complex the trauma and the more it's being suppressed by between 18 and 24 it's like you can't your brain just can't keep it in anymore it explodes and that's when we yeah. see major depression major anxiety you know severe where it's still not an illness and we, we need to talk about that but it's become so severe that it's debilitating mm -hmm. and if you just treat that as though it's an illness a symptom of an illness you're never going to find the root cause so you never you're not going to ever really manage it it's going yeah. to be managing you and then the drugs numb your brain and anesthetize your brain so you're still not dealing with it so that doesn't help okay so these produce the behavior so what we want to do is to to fix this is we have to look at the patterns in our life and i referred to this earlier on so the, the most obvious pattern is those very strong emotions like depression and anxiety. Now, what is depression and anxiety? We told in today's narrative that they are illnesses, but they're not illnesses. There's no research to confirm that. There's no neurobiological correlates or that mm -hmm. it's in the brain. It chemically imbalances a theory that has been disproved multiple times. No scientist and I mean, top people in Harvard, Kings, all over the world in top universities will tell you that that is not an acceptable view, but yet that's what the yeah. most of the public are given. And most of the doctors will tell their patients, oh, you have a chemical imbalance. You like Let's fix it with the medication. Like you have a yeah. Arm, let's fix your broken arm you have a mm -hmm. broken brain let's fix your brain that's the wrong messaging and it's also um the research shows it's actually made things worse as i mentioned as well in the beginning so mm -hmm. what you got to do is recognize that you can't actually have depression you experience depression and because depression is not an illness it is actually an emotional warning signal okay so you need to act, put out, become like a thought detective where you're looking for clues so you're a thought detective, you're an archaeologist, you become a brain surgeon, and you're a historian. Mm -hmm. You're trying to put all the pieces of your life together. So you're kind of drawing on all those skills. And we are capable of doing that. So we, 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 we step into what I call the wise mind. And we've all got that because we see that in our psycho neurobiology, which is our mind brain body connection, that we actually wired for love, which means we don't have any structures for toxicity for this. So as soon as we have these in the brain, the immune system rejects these like it would reject COVID virus or any virus. So these get a, these stimulate an immune response. Like I saw in my research, we'll get a high homocysteine levels, which shows inflammation, which shows that there's an immune response. You've got you know T cells out there working, and the longer you keep the um, suppress the issue, the more T cells, for example, you'll have in place, and the more side you'll get cytokine storms. And so all the things that you hear with the language of COVID, you get the same kind of thing happening with your thoughts because they're as real as COVID. They they made of proteins, they're in your brain. Mm -hmm. So they create a mess. But not only are they in your brain as these protein tree things, these thoughts of memories, they're also in every cell of your body. So as you experience something, and, and now we're gonna we're gonna get into the how too, but as you as you experience that toxicity and build it into your brain, immediately it is built into your, every cell of your body. And that's why we have body memory, somatic memory. That's why things like EMDR work and mm -hmm. yoga and when we tune into our body, because it's in the brain and it's in the body in every cell. So as you are hearing this podcast now talking, you are actually putting this information into every cell of your body in addition to your brain. So it's building here, and there's a genetic change in every 30, the 37 to 100 trillion cells that we have in our brain and our body. 
are also storing this as a change in your gene code. And it's in the gravitational fields that are all around and through you. So if you think of like, if you look at the Zencaster, you know, it's got the little lines that go, mm-hmm. it, that's sort of a nice analogy to think of what a thought looks like in the brain, in the mind, sorry. So in the brain, it's a tree. In the body, it's a change in your DNA. And in the, the, in the uh, mind, it's those little like fields. Now, even mm-hmm. it's a healthy thought, it's going to be like that in the brain, a good positive change in your gene code in every cell. And it's going to be a healthy flow in the little gravitational fields, electromagnetic fields of the mind. But if it's toxic, it's the opposite. So instead of a yeah. nice flow, it's crazy. Okay. So that energy is hitting the brain and the body and everything right down to the level of your DNA is being affected. So for example, your telomeres, I don't know if you know what telomeres are. Mm-hmm. Telomeres are, if you think of the DNA the DNA strand and you mm-hmm. can pull chromosomes out of there and a chromosome looks like an X mm-hmm. and my fingernails would be the, would be the telomeres. So chromosome looks like an X and the ends of chromosomes have things called telomeres. Now those telomeres are what we call, are basically a proxy for how you are managing your mind. And so if you're dead, nothing happens with your telomeres, but when you're alive, your telomeres are involved in making a, about a million new cells every second. And then over time, wow. you're basically replacing our entire brain and body over time. So if the telomeres are healthy and long and strong, you build healthy cells, which means healthy organs, which means a healthy system. But if you are a mess and not managing and suppress thoughts and not detoxing, those telomeres get very weak and that then um, creates cells that are unhealthy and therefore over time, cumulatively, your body becomes weak and vulnerable to disease. So you have you have suppressed thoughts doing that at the DNA level and you have these things in your brain and your brain getting damaged and your immune system going crazy and you know all these things accumulate and then you've got this toxic energy moving from your mind through your body that doesn't bode well and that's if you think of it like that that's very consuming it's like that mind that mind is driving the whole process mm-hmm. that is 99 90 to 99% of who you are so when I say you can't have depression I'm not belittling it i'm making i'm making it as well as um, i'm giving it the attention it deserves because that depression is a your mind brain and body screaming at you to say hey wake up listen tune in you aren't depression you are mm-hmm. depressed because of so in other words there's a message in the depression that depression is your alarm bell going off saying embrace it Embrace it and look deep inside, okay? And and I'm going to explain how. So don't see depression or anxiety or any emotion as an illness. No emotions or illnesses. Passion and depression are equally as important. They're both telling you something. The passion is telling you that you're on a track to some wonderful feeling and relationship or whatever. The depression is saying that, hey, you've got something messing you up. You need to pay attention. And because of neuroplasticity, you can change where that's coming from because that depression is coming from one of these. So this thing is sending signals from the non-conscious mind through the subconscious, which is a bridge between the non-conscious into the conscious mind. And as soon as it hits the conscious mind and you pay attention to it, you say, okay, I'm feeling very depressed. And then you're going to, as soon as you do that, this thing starts coming up from the non-conscious to the conscious. And we see from neuroscience that when you become aware of these, they start shaking and becoming malleable. And when they become malleable, you can change them. Okay, so here's how it works. And I've got an app called the NeuroCycle. Okay, NeuroCycle. Mm-hmm. We I literally give you therapy, teaching you how to do this. So I'm going to give you the brief overview. And then I've got, I don't know which book you've read, but this is my most recent book. 
where I also explain everything we're talking about in depth. It's super easy to follow. The second half is the, is the neurocycle, neurocycle, mm-hmm. which is the system I've developed over 38 years of research and clinical application and patients and whatever. And I use it myself. This is not just if you, this is for everyone. Everyone's got a mind. Yeah. It's not just if you're in extreme depression. This is to manage day-to-day stuff too. So it's the big stuff and the small stuff. Uh, the second half of that book's got this exact how-to. And then I also have a podcast called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, which I definitely want to invite you on to, where I explain all of these things as well, like, you know, subjects. Okay, so mm-hmm. what do you want to do? What I've shown from the research is that you are able with your mind to get from your messy mind into your wise mind. And mm-hmm. the easiest way I used to tell my patients, get two chairs, put them next to each other and sit in both chairs. But obviously you can't sit in both, but you in <laughs> one of you is the messy mind, one of you is the wise mind. The wise mind is working with the messy mind. Now we get so caught up in our mess that we we don't listen to our wisdom. And the way the world works and all the social media, very often our identity, our wisdom, our inner core, this wide for love nature, it's shot. And that's where suicidal ideation, suicide um, comes in. I mean, you feel hopeless when you feel not valued, when you just, why is this happening to me? It makes no sense. It's frightening. And unfortunately, Gen Z, which you're part of, is the most medicated generation and the generation that is primed to die the youngest in in years, in decades, which is terrible. So if we don't change the situation, Gen Z is going to die younger than, you're going to die way younger than your grandparents even. You're not going to, they predict sort of lifespan is maybe 60, 65. When you should be crazy. Yeah, like 25 years off. But we, the kind of thing that you're doing, that I'm doing, having these discussions, podcasts, this is making people more aware because it doesn't have to be. And the reason people are dying younger is because of what I was saying earlier. These things mess up your health of your body. Those telomere things. If your body is getting progressively weaker, then you're going to get sicker and your chance of dying younger exists. So mm-hmm. we had subjects... And the good news is, and I've, and I've put these in here, of certain of my subjects in my clinical trial and in my patients over the years, they they were so depressed that their biology was like a sickly a sickly 65-year-old and they were only 30. Now, you yeah. can imagine if you, you're 18, if your body was 30 years older, let's say that you had a 50-year-old 50 sick body, you wouldn't be feeling very great. And you're, you know, you've kind of lost 30, 35 years or 25 years. So if you don't catch that, let me show within nine weeks of mind management using the neurocycle on an app. I didn't give them therapy. They did it themselves on an app. They didn't go to a therapist. This is mm-hmm. the power we have in us, that you go to therapy. I'm not anti-therapy. It's fantastic. But... Yeah it's vitally important that you know how to manage your own mind. You don't just have to wait for the expert to tell you. That's why I have done this work, written the books, you know, got the app so that you can do this stuff. So mm-hmm. and what is the stuff to do? It's the neurocycle. What is the neurocycle? It's a five-step system that you do daily for around 15 minutes to 45 max, where you take that pattern, whatever it is, and you're going to you're going to basically recon, deconstruct and reconstruct it. So you're going to find this thing, you're going to pull it up, and you're going to build it into this. Now, it doesn't mean that the toxic issue goes away, but it just means, and here I'm going to use this little stone, that's the issue. It's now been reconceptualized into this. So it's now, you now know what happened to you, but you've changed how it's playing out in you. Mm-hmm. So the first thing to do is to look at what is the pattern in your life. So what is the dominant pattern in your life? Like, are you consumed with depression? Do you find it like it's just dominating everything? Or are you constantly anxious? Or are you, uh, so, so start with the emotion. What are the emotional warning signals? Depression, anxiety, frustration, irritation. And it's normally a bunch of them. But just maybe start with, you know, like like what is the 
what is the main sort of emotional thing from that try and see if you can label what is my pattern my pattern is that i'm so depressed that i'm battling at the schoolwork i'm battling to be motivated i'm bat- i'm just not happy so that's the name of the tree okay so let's say that you just like life you just feel sad all the time that's the name of the tree so to get to this tree we have to go back to those signals so the pattern is this constant sadness that's the name of the tree because that's that sadness that pattern isn't just randomly happening everything you say and do is coming from one of these but you can't see it straight away from the pattern you've got to dig through some layers to get mm-hmm. to this thing and then you've got to re- dig down so you, you look at your pattern from your pattern you look at your four signals your four signals are the emotions as i keep saying depression anxiety whatever then your behaviors so what are you doing maybe more angry more irritable more withdrawn more what are you doing what are you what are what is your communication what is so be quite specific then the third thing is what's going on in your body what are you feeling maybe you're getting these gi symptoms or maybe you're getting heart palpitations or maybe you're getting you know skin rashes or whatever what are you noticing that's different in your physical symptoms are you feeling this gut wrenching adrenaline shooting through you whatever so look at your body and then you look at your perspective which is your attitude to life how are you looking at life what's your view of life is it this view that life sucks i hate life i can't do this it's just too much no one understands me whatever so those are the four signals so from the overarching pattern you dive into the four signals and then from the four signals which are coming out of here and all of this by the way you're doing with your two chairs you're doing mm-hmm. it with your wise mind your wise mind is telling you hey Sadie you're amazing you wired for love is something you can do that no one else can do this is not who you are this depression this is because of you're looking mm-hmm. for the because of this is a symptom of you being a thought detective historian brain surgeon all the rest of it so we got to look at it we use a lot of kindness when we do this we got to be very kind to ourselves mm-hmm. and the whole podcast on what kindness does in the brain i mean it literally makes the two sides of the brain work together increases oxygen and blood flow to the front of the brain and it, and a thousand other things but if you if you hard on yourself with that inner critic and that voice going i'm terrible i'm useless i'm a waste of time i can't do this i'm i'll never get this right that is going to reduce oxygen and blood flow to the front of the brain and create an a, a, a out of harmony um the coherence between the two sides of the brain goes and you don't want that you'll also get high levels of what we call a high beta you'll get tsunamis in your brain of energy and yeah. it's very hard to think clearly when that happens so this system of the neurocycle you prepare first so the you you prepare and and that's why I said get the two chairs be very kind to yourself tell yourself things like this is not who i am this is who i've become i'm i'm showing up like this because of how are you showing up that pattern thing what are the signals all the time couched in wise mind pouring love onto messy mind and you keep telling yourself it's okay to be a mess everyone's a mess everyone's a mess too and we keep making messes and then but messes are great because that's how we can repair and grow so when you work with our messy mind we can repair and grow okay so then from there you start at other preparation things you can do when you sit down to do an actual session and on your own in, either on your own using the book or using the app you want to do a little bit of more brain preparation so you set the scene with all the kindness and the chairs and finding the pattern and seeing those first four signals then you want to do maybe some brain preparation because when you start looking at the stuff it can make you feel a little anxious it can increase your levels of anxiety and that's where things like deep breathing and meditation and havening which is basically using stimulation to stimulate the amygdala to calm you down i mean there's so many different things 
in the app, I have a three minute brain prep that you always do every day before you dive into the hard work. And that just calms down, first of all, your electrophysiology. So the, the electromagnetic, the energy part of you, then the chemical then the chemistry because our chem our neurochemicals can go crazy or too much cortisol too much you won't have enough serotonin you won't have enough do do dopamine you'll get shots you won't get enough anandamide there's all these different chemicals that sends a whole signal through your hormone system your telomeres everything is affected so you want to prepare your brain okay and then you dive into the five steps of the neurocycle which is essentially a systematic way you work through all five systematically all five steps and that that each step is making your brain work more and more correctly in the neuroplastic direction so in other words you're driving the neuroplasticity in the right direction that means you're breaking these down and you're building replacement thoughts so that's kind of the the system you do it over 63 days and the reason i want to say why you do it the reason you do it over 63 days and um, cycles off and you may have to do multiple mm -hmm. is because a lot of people think habits are made in 21 days and we know that when you have a habit, then you'll have a new behavior, but mm -hmm. there aren't. You have major changes every moment and you'll have periods like four days is a major time period, seven and 14. 21 is enough time to basically start finding, going from the pattern to the signals, to what, how am I seeing myself down to start seeing the roots. So yeah. you don't solve it in one day, you do a little bit each day. So today I may just find, oh, I'm depressed. I'm see my, I hate my, I hate myself. I hate life. I'm withdrawing and it's because of something. That's maybe mm -hmm. what you achieve in your first five steps. Tomorrow you add more. So each day you get more and more layers. By 21 days, this thing would have been mm -hmm. upended and energy is never lost in the brain and the body. You would have built this. And this says, yeah. okay, I used to be depressed all the time. I thought I was depression. I'm not depression. I'm depressed because of that stuff. And that stuff's making me very sad. But that's not how I want to be. This is how I want to be. But it's small. Mm -hmm. So, and this thing is much bigger. So this thing's got to compete with a, the, you, you haven't forgotten what's happened. So, yeah. and you've also got all other things inside of you. If you triggered, this is not strong enough to move into your conscious mind. So it's not a habit yet. You've got to grow this thing. So mm -hmm. you've got to still practice the five steps, which are driving the mind with little actions and everything. It's a whole process writing. It's very systematized. You, by day 21, it's going to look, sorry, by day 21, it looks like this. Mm -hmm. By day 42, can you see it's growing? And by yeah. day 63, we've got this. And so it takes around about nine weeks of the new behavior that you want in your life to grow to a point where when you triggered, you remember, oh, I used to. Revert to that, yeah. That's now been changed into this. You remember how you were, but you've changed what's in you, which then changes how you communicate. Mm -hmm. And so, as you know, having gone through depression yourself and, and living living with it, that depression is a signal. And once you started diving into it, you started seeing other emotions and behaviors yeah. and body symptoms and perspective. And as you started finding the cause, it's only when you find the cause and you yeah. actually try to reconceptualize that, will you start getting free? And even then, you're still going to have depression. Because depression yeah. is, I mean, not have depression, you're still going to experience You're still going to feel it, yeah. Yeah, and that's normal. There's nothing wrong with it. You mustn't be scared of depression. We have, think of depression on a scale of one to 10. One mm -hmm. is that I feel a little bit depressed because someone put a really bad post on my on my social media or someone says some ugly comment about a podcast that you that you let put out there and you put yourself out and it can throw mm -hmm. you, you know. Yeah. Um, but that would be maybe a one or a two or a three in terms of depression. You get yourself through it. And then you can use the neurocycle. It's when things accumulate and we don't deal with stuff. 
and we just keep mm-hmm. pushing it down, pushing it down, that it grows, and then it becomes, as soon as it starts hitting five and above, it's now moving into an extreme response. And because yeah. our mind is 90 to 99% of who we are, it's very consuming. So the mm-hmm. big thing here is that it's not that depression is an illness, as I keep saying. It's not a brain disease. It's not something, an illness in your brain jumping out and being triggered and like a disease in waiting you know like you get a maid in waiting in those Mm -hmm. it's not like that at all the brain will respond and your body will get you know sick and all that stuff because there's an impact of of messy mind on your on your brain on your body yeah need the medical support for that and i'm not talking psychotropics i'm talking you know proper treatment if you've got heart issues and so on from that but the big thing is that the cause is not in your brain the cause is in your life there's something mm-hmm. that's happened to you. You've experienced stuff, these adverse circumstances. And those are what's caused you to feel like this. So you need to find those, disconnect from them and reconceptualize them. And then you can move forward into a healthier pattern of functioning. And then the next thing comes up. And then the next yeah. thing, and the rest of your life. Listen, I'm 58. I'm still doing this. You know, but you've built the toolbox to be able to navigate these things. It's easier to upend the beliefs that you haven't built up over years but it's and you're system. able to maintain your mental health. Exactly. And this is something I've been teaching my youngest patient who has, was three. My mm-hmm. kids have four adult children. They, they've grown up with us. Yeah. I, the schools that I worked in, we put this into teach train into the school system. So kids from young should be taught how to manage their emotions and understand. You can show kids trees. I I would have my yeah. kids in simple language with three year old and an eight year old and a twelve year old. The whole thing is, as adults, we need to allow children and adolescents and teenagers express themselves you need to understand like if your mom comes home and and like if i come home and i'm really worked up i've had a hard day and i'm like withdrawn and snappy and irritable i need to be able to model to my kids okay this is how i'm feeling it's okay to feel this place i feel like this because of so i go through the whole five-step process explaining giving a modeling how i'm managing i feel like this because of this is what i'm going to do but if you just come home irritable and screaming at your kids or you come home and you scream at your mom or whatever and you're just mad at your boyfriend they don't understand what's going on but if you model okay i'm feeling like this because of this i just need some space i'm going to get it under control but i just need to get this out and deal with it that's what we mm-hmm. should be doing we should be teaching kids from young but one in 12 kids are being missed in and in and are growing into adolescence and adults and young adulthood with all the stuff inside and that leads yeah. to what you went through you know that kind of thing whereas you know we i mean i'm the adults in the house here we've got to be it's our fault we should have been teaching this well i've been trying to fight the system for 38 years <laughs> so as i've said a lot do you want to do you want to unpack any of that stuff no it's it's so true and it's so profound and every single time you bring up these different things i can connect it to my treatment journey and what i did without realizing i was going through those steps like i i recall not even realizing i was depressed because i was so like avoiding what I was feeling and thinking until I was literally in the hospital and then everything blew up because I was so severely depressed and then I was trying all of these different treatments whether it was outpatient or inpatient and nothing was changing because I wasn't identifying the root and it was only after I was in intensive treatment and had taken a step back from my home life that I identified that I was like I very genuinely believe I don't deserve love and every single interaction I'm going through yeah so every single interaction I'm going through I'm looking at the world to support the belief that I don't deserve love and that I'll never be good enough for my parents so those interactions became deeply traumatic because I felt Mm -hmm. invalidated and disconnected and so I became suicidally severely depressed but it was only after I unpacked that 
and learn to do self-love and self-compassion and realize that I don't need any external cues to be deserving of love and care and great relationships, that I was then able to shift my mood and emotions and thoughts and things still come up. There are still beliefs that you have to upend and rewire, but I've done that before and I know how to do it and I know how to navigate that. So it's just, it's so true and so profound and universal to anyone who is struggling. If it's to humans. If you're human, yeah. to, as I said, if you, you may be in a one to five most of your life, but then parts of your life you in the eight, nine, ten, extreme yeah. range of, of, of experience, and then it becomes an extreme response. We don't need a disease label to validate that. We mm-hmm. just need to, as humans, we just need to be constantly validating the fact that you have a story and you're yeah. showing up like X because of, which is what you're describing. So yeah. those moved emotions, thoughts, and you see that, so there's the thoughts, the emotions are inside of that. And the, these thoughts with the emotions and the data, how we see ourselves, interpretation data, all that, the information, in other words, this is filled with information and mm-hmm. emotion data. And that information and emotion data come from how we think, feel, and choose. It's both the thoughts and the thoughts then produce what we say and what we do. So we've mm-hmm. got to look at what we're saying and what we're doing and what we're feeling and what we're feeling in our body, which are those four signals, in order yeah. to realize, okay, with whatever I'm saying and doing, we need to say this to ourselves, like you said, I'm feeling depressed, I'm, I'm feeling like I don't want to live, I'm suicidal because of, versus that's my identity. I am depressed. 100%. I've got a brain disease. So you throw that mm-hmm. out the door and you say, I'm depressed and suicidal because of, that's not who I am, yeah. it's because of. And then you yeah. start the process of tuning into those signals and doing all that, you know, Said, tuning in the prep, mm-hmm. brain and the five steps, which are basically the five steps are gathering, reflecting, two steps in writing, two very specific distinct steps, and then an action. Now, things like DBT um, and CBT, all the different techniques and things fit into step five. If you do DBT and CBT in the wrong order, your brain won't rewire. If you don't do it long enough, your brain mm-hmm. won't rewire. And I did DBT like six or seven times until it actually worked. It's it, true. Over time, you have to do that. And that's what happened so much in therapy, Sadie. So I'm so glad you brought that up. With so mm-hmm. many people that I interview and that I had coming to my practice and that still send me emails, which is thousands, they say, but I've been to therapy and it's going on for years and years. My patients would stay in therapy for cycles of 63 days. And and, sometimes, and then we would reevaluate after every 63 three days do we need another cycle what's the progress mm-hmm. because you every six every 63 days you're moving forward so i had some patients that were so severely traumatized and it manifested as like learning disabilities and and yeah. like almost like traumatic brain injury type symptoms mm-hmm. and it took sometimes up to two years but it was in cycles of 63 days because what yeah. often happens in therapy is that people don't go through the proper five-step system if you don't if you don't gather objectively if you don't reflect if you don't systematically gather reflect do the two levels of writing one which is like a vomiting on the paper where you just throw your thoughts out and the other one's Mm -hmm. organizing and then um, end it with an action and do that little bit by little bit all you're going to do is bombard yourself your mind your body and it just becomes like overwhelming and then therapy becomes a venting station as opposed to Mm -hmm. a progressive station Uh, because no one knows you except yourself. So all a therapist or a counselor or a coach or a parent or support one can do is, loved one can do, is to support us through that journey and give us mm-hmm. some perspective. And maybe if you, you know, when you go to someone, you say, I'm seeing it like this. Is there another way to see it? That's what a good therapist will say. Yeah, maybe yeah. look at it like that. And that is this way to see it. What you were saying is, is the way you see things is coming from this part of the tree. And that's producing those behaviors. So when you start the system, 
correctly, the neurocycle system, which you did without even realizing, um, <laughs> you basically are seeing your interpretation of yourself. And where does that come from? Because every one of these comes from there. And we yeah. distorted processing. And until you've gone from there through there to there, which is what the five steps do, they take you through that, you're going to get frustrated. So what happened? Yeah, no, my belief system was there's no reason why I'm depressed. Therefore, I might just be innately depressed. I understand that other people can work through that and are not depressed, but that's not possible for me because A, this is all I've ever known. And B, there's no reason. There was no giant trauma that I experienced. I just was suddenly this super depressed teenager. And so, of course, there was no progress that was being made because I didn't I didn't believe that there was a cause. I thought I was just innately deserving oh, of being depressed forever. And that was the messaging that you Gen Z's grown up with. Gen Z. Yeah. I, mean, I used to lecture to schools and to adolescents and, and teenagers and at university, which I've done for years. 20 years ago, pe uh, people would understand there was a cause. Now... People will, the first thing, I talk to a group of people. Because there's these micro traumas. You can't identify that X or Y happened. Exactly. It's just over time, there's chronic invalidation or misunderstanding. You you don't identify that these are leading to what you're feeling because they're accumulating so slowly exactly. over time. Over time, which is, I said that, that we're saying the telomeres, that the, the, the many, many traumas are causing many traumas in your telomeres, which are causing many traumas in your body, which over time, the many traumas in your mind crash in your body, and then the whole lot crash together. It explodes, yeah. You're exploding like a volcano. Mm -hmm. And you yeah. know, like your age group, Gen Z, even even the millennials, will, um, if I lecture to them now, the immediate thing is, oh, it's innate, it's biological, I've got a chemical imbalance, what drug must I take? Mm -hmm. And therapy seen as well, kind of like a fancy side, you know, sideshow kind of thing. It's only for yeah. really weak people. Meanwhile, 20 years ago, if I spoke about these uh, people with you know, emotional issues, they would immediately, you know, issues, mind issues, people would immediately say, oh, what's the cause? So we've shifted in the last 40 years from looking at causes to uh, at, in the environment to looking at brain diseases. It's it's a disaster. And it's but, terrible because you're putting the blame on the person. You're like, what have you done wrong to be feeling this way? Exactly. I'm so glad you said that. As I said, I was writing a scientific paper this morning and I was just yeah. talking with my research team just before that we do clinical trials with them. One of the things that I wrote in the introduction was we've got to stop saying to the patient, what is wrong with you? It's yeah. what has happened to you. Yes. You know, and that's yes. the socioeconomic environment. Are you, are you in chronic and living in chronic racism and fear of getting in your car because someone might shoot you at a traffic yeah. car. Are you being constantly bullied at school? Are you being con and you talk about the micro traumas? They people think they aren't relevant, but if you bully yes. here and you bully there, and there's mm -hmm. a big family and your parents love you and do their best, but you may feel like you know one is more a personality that more is more demanding and so you're quieter and you don't get enough attention mm -hmm. those are many traumas that your parents didn't intend but that can build and create accumulate over time all of this has to be paid attention to so we've got a hundred people think oh there's something wrong with me when i've got depression absolutely not grab the depression and find the story find yeah. the cause of and but do it systematically because the one thing i do want to mention and is that we can get if, if therapy you mentioned you did dbt a few times and people will use cbt techniques over and over again or they'll do emdr for years but they're all good but if you don't use them after you've actually gone through the first four steps yes. of the neurocycle which is you know gather away the whole thing of finding what the root is mm -hmm. those techniques used on their own are just an action 
So here's the problem. So you're putting a Band-Aid on, a Band-Aid on. And every single one of those things is brilliant. But mm-hmm. until you've actually, they only work when you've actually worked out what is my pattern? What am I, what am I thinking about myself? What did I process? What happened? And yeah. as you do that, then you can start the action helps to take this and reconstruct it into this. And that yeah. takes I had patients that would come to me that had been in therapy for years and that had they they'd done sort of something like this. But this is this was not completely formal. This was only this size. This is easy to see visually. Mm-hmm. It's small. But this is it's not it's not happening. So I know that's what I can be. I know I am, you know, all the things you were saying, I am worthy of love. I am whatever, whatever, all those things. But you still thinking but i'm still acting as though i don't think i'm worthy there's like a chasm between the truth that you know is the truth but you can't get there and that's because there isn't enough time neural rewiring takes cycles of 63 days not 21 it takes up to Mm -hmm. nine weeks and maybe multiple cycles of nine weeks a lot of therapy goes around and around and around the first few days kind of you know weeks of it doesn't get beyond and that's Mm -hmm. you've got to progress forward does that make sense A hundred percent. And I, when you were talking about putting a bandaid on these feelings, emotions, behaviors, whatever they are, it makes me think so much of peers that I interacted with and met during my time in treatment. Because I think especially in adolescent treatment, you're so often going through the actions because you're not the one that's deciding to go into treatment or therapy. You're not the one that is admitting that you need support or help. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes that autonomy is taken away. So the motivation to truly understand what the cause is and explore and want to get better it's it's missing so you're going through the actions you're doing the behaviors you're making these shifts but they're not long lasting as soon as you leave treatment and aren't continually motivated to change and improve because you didn't have that foundation it's just lost and i think that's what happened for me the first couple times of dbt because the huge difference that i looked back on and identified when i did intensive treatment was I was sitting in this room during my intake appointment and they're like, why do you want to be here? And I was like, my parents said I had to, I'm not allowed to be at home. And they're like, well, that sucks because you can't be here unless you want to be here and you believe this will work. And it was only after I trusted them enough to help me, I let them help me, I believed that there was wisdom in DBT and I had enough self-compassion to want to get better that all these shifts took place and I was able to unpack what had happened and what led to me feeling depressed and then shift the behaviors and emotions and thoughts so it's a whole reconcept you deconstructed and but you had to what they were saying choose what's your pattern and you know they didn't say these words but essentially it was what the pattern what are the signals tune in to the why and do the deconstruction Mm -hmm. and that takes time it takes daily work that's why I do that because you yeah. can go for therapy, but not everyone can go to treatments. Not everyone can mm-hmm. afford it. It's therapy. so time consuming as well. It's expensive. Yeah. It's not always viable. So it's very few people will go to that, but there's million, there's the whole planet's battling with their mind. So yeah. that's why we've got to have a daily mind management strategy because you, your mind never mm-hmm. stops. It doesn't even stop when you're sleeping. Yeah. Your mind is always going and your mind, your current mind is influenced. The current moment is influenced by what you, what's, what's happened in the past. So mm-hmm. these things just, you know, get in your face and you look at life through this. So yeah. anything that's in your face, that's your pattern. Whatever's yeah. like how you're looking, if it's toxic and it's, a, and it's disturbing your peace, that's where you would start. And that's why mm-hmm. I developed, that's how I went out of the therapy world after 25 years and took all the knowledge and created this app. And initially it was in books and online. Now we put it in app form, which is great because you can literally press play and you can mm-hmm. listen 
15 minutes and work through the five steps and whatever, you know, the whole preparation, five step, whatever, and you've got a system and then everything you've learned in therapy or everything you've read about or all the books or the key, you can still do all of those, but it, yeah. you put them in the right place mm-hmm. so that you can understand, which is so amazing. So anyway, that's so amazing oh, and so yeah. profound and universally, universally applicable. And I know this will help so many people. So Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure that you send it to a friend or family member who you think would get some value from this interview. If you post about She Persisted, be sure to tag me on Instagram so I can go ahead and repost you, give you a little shout out, and make sure that you're subscribed and have left a review so that you don't miss any future episodes of She Persisted. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next Monday.